Hello and welcome to the special Storytime podcast with your host, John Oakes. Dr. John Oakes, if you want to put a fine point on it, but not the kind of doctor who's going to look at your fucking rash, okay? Uh, I'm a book doctor. I'm, I read books. I don't look at body parts. And I only do surgery for fun on the weekends. And with me today is uh, my good friend, Thomas Bouchard. How's you may know him from other podcasts, such as The Geographist. Um, or, or you might not, because we only did 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll say we uh, couldn't find the intestinal fortitude, nor the focus to complete that podcast. Um, is there such thing as a complete podcast? <laughs> what is a completed podcast? <laughs> really? In reality, uh, you know, the power brokers in the world found it too... Uh, too risque. Yeah, we, we, we were we were really rattling the power structures. We were we were calling out the man, and they were scared. The new world order just couldn't handle it. The know. new world order Shut called us, us up one day and said, uh, <laughs> oddly with a Russian accent, um, which was surprising because I expected like German, like Angela Merkel. <laughs> I figured she would have been the boss of the new world order. And they said, guys, listen, we're willing to give you a one-time cash payout to stop doing this podcast because you're yeah. threatening everything we've built. With and we took it. commentary, so we took the million dollar payout. Uh, it was fifteen bucks, but close. Fifteen yeah. bucks payout. <laughs> it's a million pesos. <laughs> and and we said, okay, we're going to close the doors on the geographist. But now I, John Oaks, have started my own podcast. But with me today, kind of helping me do the damn thing, Thomas Bouchard, um, not a doctor. Let's point that out. Let's get nope. that clear right out of the gate. But I do look at body parts, if you. The, <laughs> has claimed to be a doctor <laughs> at times. Don't listen to him. Uh, he, he works at a retail giant. It's not one of the more soulless corporate ones. It's one of the no. more happy, happy-go-lucky ones. Happy-go-lucky, mid-sized, privately owned, yeah. And, and they make their own liquor. At least they brand it. So that's they nice. brand it. They don't make um, shit. They take Franzia, put it into bottles, and sell it for two fifty a bottle. <laughs> Which, hey, no, who's complaining? Unless you have arsenic poisoning. Um, oh man! So basically, yeah, low blow. Sorry. <laughs> so special story time with John Oaks. Uh, this episode is entitled "18 Condoms and a Door Key," <laughs> and we will get to that a little later. First, Thomas, we should talk about uh, what the hell I'm doing with this podcast. Yeah, I think that's um, a good idea. I am an author of novels and novellas and short stories and some some of your nightmares. <laughs> and uh, I guess I guess I've been wanting to start another podcast for a really long time. I really enjoyed doing the, the Geographist. That was sort of an infotainment thing and uh, took a lot of work, honestly. This this I expect to be shorter, punchier, just more fun, and uh, talk about stories. Talk about stories that. Have affected our lives. Talk about stories that uh, we probably shouldn't tell on air about our own <laughs> lives, but we're gonna anyways because fuck it. Uh, and uh, talk about the stories we're reading and watching on TV right now, and what's great and what people should go check out. Um, talk about stories that happened in our own lives this week. Little things, little observations I always have that I want to share with the world. Um, and. Uh, N news of the week, any any particular stories from the headlines that we want to break down that, that strike us as being particularly 
I don't know, important or irony laden. And then I guess, yeah, give people an update on where things are with my own, my own writing. Uh, so Thomas, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh boy. Well, I, uh, been friends with, uh, Mr. John Oaks here for many years, go back to the high school days. And uh, we did not go to high school together. No, point out because Thomas was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. Yeah, <laughs> high school is a relative term. It's <laughs> oh, I just had to get that out there right off the bat. Yeah. Huh. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I I grew up as a conservative Christian because I was homeschooled. Duh. Um, and I'm not anymore. So that's that's a nutshell. But um, yeah, I uh, I love storytelling. I love I love writing, or at least I love reading it. I don't do a lot of writing myself. Um, and um, good friends with John, big fan of his work, and I love chatting. I think people even enjoy listening to us chat. So it it uh, seemed they did. It seemed they did. Yeah. Except for the New World Order. Yeah. That, Angela Merkel was not. She was not a fan. But what is she a fan of? What is really? she? I mean, I've yeah. never seen her. Pantsuits. Hey, hey, I really loved this thing. I mean, I, yeah, pantsuits. Uh, one haircut. Short haircuts. Yeah. One haircut. No, did I'm saying. See, by the way, speaking of thing, I mean, it wasn't maybe this week, but did you see the uh, the German commercial that was made with a with a doppelganger, to use <laughs> a German phrase of hers? So she she made some comments about gay marriage, which is interesting because uh, in Germany, t I mean, the by by a long shot, gay marriage is totally. Uh, a pop, a populist. They're like they're all for it in Germany, um, much more than than most most countries. Very liberal, and they. Uh, but but she, as their prime minister, said that she thought that marriage really should be between a man and a woman. And wow, blew out like it blew up in the media because people are like, "What wow. the hell? Like you're totally." This is not the direction that things are going right now. And yeah, you're like trying now. to keep Greece from turning into a giant flaming, you know, ball of gyro yeah. meat. And like you, you choose now to be the moment to just be like, oh, by the way, I'm gonna say something that's totally gonna cause a shit ton of problems. Yeah. So she had you know a ton of backlash on that. So this one, uh, this one group made an ad on German TV, which has, I mean, and if you see the ad, you totally think it's Angela Merkel, but has a look a look alike, you know, pantsuit, haircut, everything, um, sort of looking out the window and being very pensive. And then this beautiful woman walks up behind her and touches her shoulder. And then they, they start kissing and holding each other. And it's, and it's, and it's, I don't even know what it's an ad for, but it was great because they just, they totally ran with it. And they were like, you know, made it this like thing about her being, you know, closeted or whatever. I don't know. I, I love that. I, I, I don't even know if it has words, but it was just great. It was sort of like the, they're, poking back at her about it. So I thought wow. that was a fun. Well, even if you, I mean, no matter what you think of the, the, uh, the commercial, the German people tried to tell a joke and I don't think we should, I think we should pat them on the back. Say good job, Germans. Good it's, job trying to be funny. That's a story in and of itself. In the right direction. <laughs> uh, so Thomas, what, what do the listeners need to know about me? They're going to learn a, a whole lot more about me if they keep listening and this keeps happening. Well, then if they but just getting started reading your writing, but yeah, well, you don't really get to know me when you're reading a book called death Pope about a 15th century boy assassin. Uh, I think more of you comes through than you might expect. <laughs> Little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'll, re I'll read things and be like, I can't hear that in any other voice, but John's voice. <laughs> 
Well, that that's to be. Yeah, um, and I think if John thing. and I think if John were a pope, he'd probably you know have something to say about testicles. You know, I mean that's. Anyway. First, my first decree. <laughs> Let me make my thoughts known. Uh, that's great. Oh man, good times. Well, John, there's a lot of things people need to know about you. You're a doctor. We talked about that a little bit. I, I have a PhD. You have a PhD. You uh, in geography. It, right in geography, but that. I mean, does that translate for you? Do you feel like that uh, as as your chosen profession of writer, um, if you can call it that, just kidding, mm -hmm. uh, does that translate? Do you feel like all the writing you did is getting that PhD? Is that part of what? I wouldn't you know? say that having a PhD in geography sums me up. I mean, definitely getting a PhD, I mean, it points to certain facets of me that, A, I'm a freak for school and learning and, Mm -hmm. uh, broadening my horizons and um and uh i i really like the life of the mind i, I like being around people who discuss ideas and and things like that um i'm definitely over a lot of it you know I, if i never hear like a 17 syllable word again in my life i'll be perfectly happy about it <laughs> there, there's a lot of the uber theoretical you know bend deep below your own anus and sniff your own scent you know, like I, I'm, I'm glad to be away from that because there's a lot of, yeah, smelling, smelling your own, mm -hmm. taking in your own aroma, yeah. as, as you could say. Um, people getting really into their, you know, philosophizing to the point where it's like, okay, this has nothing to do with the real world or real problems anymore. Right. So, uh, but you know, there's stuff I loved about getting a PhD. Basically, I just love learning about, uh, about how the world works, honestly. And mm -hmm. I think once you have a PhD, you can kind of say, all right. If I don't know basically how the world works now, then I'm never gonna know. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was good to put a cap on that. And um, I left academia for a lot of reasons, but I chose not to become a professor um, or a I don't know alcoholic community college professor <laughs> like John Oliver's character in <laughs> I can um, see that I can see Greendale that. Community College and Community. Um, Great show. Is he an I forget. He he yeah. left that show after like the first season, so whatever. Um, but uh, I really I do miss teaching sometimes. Um, but apart from that, I don't really miss academia. I I had a great time getting my PhD, but I'm I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad I've moved on into, you know, telling stories and whatnot. Um, and of course, John, you're also a husband and a father and all that. Yes, and that's that's part of who you are, of course. Uh, far too much, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, really struggling. The husband part's fine. It's the fatherhood. I have two yeah. very small children that happened somehow. I don't know how. I mean, I could tell you how, but it, it just doesn't account for the whirlwind of craziness that has come into my life the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, one kid intentional, one not. So we're looking at a a, a two year old and three months and a seven month old um yeah. so yeah they're good they're good kids one, one is fully a toddler though and she is doing all the toddler stuff so <laughs> that's not fun um, which is good because you think like oh you know when you have a second child is it going to be harder to love another child the way you love the first one well pro tip guys have the first one be a toddler as you're learning to love the second one because it helps a hell of a lot. <laughs> I'm, it's it, I, I look I look at this baby and I'm just like you are just the best because <laughs> you're you not get into any, shit. Yeah, yeah, you're not doing any of this nonsense that your older sister. Did. <laughs>
So yeah, I'm uh, I'm currently legally not contesting my parentage of two small children. Oh my gosh! I wouldn't say I'm a father. Yeah, doing is that with little kids. That's great. And so yeah, cool. Um, I have written how many novels now? Let's how many have I published? One, two, three, four, five. A short story. Six is on the way. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But sure. uh, I tend toward the ridiculous, the, the zany, the irreverent. Um, and yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to say for, for people people listening, if you, you probably already know John Oaks, but maybe not. Maybe we put some awesome uh, search terms in, the, in there and you think this is a show about Ryan Gosling and it's not. I'm sorry. We just typed that in there so you would find us. <laughs> But uh, Gosling abs. Yeah. <laughs> Great how, how tall? Anyway, um, so the uh, one of the one of the things about about John Oakes, and I have this. I don't know. I've never told John Oakes this. For some reason, I can't just say John. I have to say John Oakes. It's always one word, somehow for me. But um, is that you know when you have a friend who goes into writing or has their first novel. Um, which I've had a few, I've had a few um, friends and you know friends, parents, things like that. And you, for me, generally, it's sort of a joke. It's sort of like I can't believe that you thought that this was good enough to show the world. And I don't, I don't mean like if you're th if you're thinking about an movie specifically, I'm not, I'm not targeting you. But there is a, there's an element of. Uh, you know, when your when your friends do something like that, it's one thing if your friend wants to sing at an open mic and they're no good, because it's just an open mic. But when somebody's, you know, they're putting their name out there and they're putting it on Amazon and they're self-publishing or whatever, um, it could be it could be a lot of sort of uh, it could be a scary proposition. And with uh, John's first first novel, uh, the right kind of stupid, I was blown away with his writing and just the, the fact that I, I, I didn't have to go, Hey John. Yeah, it's really good. Thank I, I liked it. You know, <laughs> I actually, like I was telling my wife, I was, she's like, so, you know, she had the same feeling. She's like, so is he any good? Like, is it actually good? Like, is it not just, it's my friend and I like him good. Or is it actually like, if you didn't know it was him, would you read it? And would you like it? And absolutely. I, I loved the right kind of stupid. And I think there was a lot of, um, you know, there was a, there was a lot of anecdotal things that I could relate to, and could see John through because I, you know, obviously I did know that he wrote it, um, but the level of sort of social commentary and and comedic timing and the the whole the whole way that everything was put together, um, I really liked and I really appreciated, and I'm I'm happy to, you know, sort of be a part of. The future of John's uh, John's writing career, even as it's you know in its very beginning stages. I mean, the right kind of stu stupid John. How long ago did we actually did you put that it out? It seems like a, like it was forever ago, but it was uh, literally uh, just under thirteen months ago. Yeah, I was gonna say it hasn't hasn't it's been that been long. Basically yeah. a year, and it's just been such a journey because. I mean, what's cool is that I know and I do. I go back and I I occasionally will look at. The right kind of stupid and I see all kinds of stuff I would change sure. which is cool because it's like you know it's uh, thank you for saying that it's very nice to hear um, and you know it means a lot and it's cool that 
I, you know, I put some blood, sweat, and tears into that thing. Um, because I mean, I was thinking I was going to be shopping it to agents and stuff before I ultimately decided to self-publish it. So I was, you know, I was like, man, this could go into the world, and like a lot of people might read this. Um, luckily, that didn't happen, but uh, not yet. <laughs> um, now I have plans. It, it's gonna, it'll, it'll, it'll get read. But uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, pe- a lot of people say that it took them a few books before they were able to write a good book. Sure. And for me, you know, in a sense, that was true. I was coming into it though with kind of some, I guess, native ability. Sure. I'd also spent a lot of years writing uh, in academia, which while very different, um, and it was kind of hard to get out of the stilted academic style of writing. But you're, if, you're, if you're trying to tell a story and trying to organize your thoughts over and over and over and over again, it really helps. I think it mm-hmm. does. So, um, yeah. And ultimately, my dissertation was somewhat story-like. You know, my advisor, really cool guy, you know, when I look back and think, wow, how did you go from getting your PhD and then you end up deciding to become a, a writer? You know, I, I look at stuff like my, my advisor who said, you know, whenever I'd have questions about what direction to take my dissertation in, he'd say, John, tell me a story. Mm. And it's so funny that, yeah. that that was the kind of person that I ended up, you know, studying under someone who saw the power of story even in the stilted academic environment because in his opinion if you can tell a story the way you tell a story is going to deliver information um, synthesis Mm -hmm. all kinds of things and so in a lot of ways i i was preparing all my life to comment and write books like the right kind of stupid where yes you want to entertain you want to keep people uh, turning the pages, but you also want to kind of think about things and you want to laugh hilariously and, and, you know, have ridiculous things happen. And, uh, you know, I realized a lot of what I was going for was sort of an irreverence. And I only realized that because of things that I wrote in, in my PhD program that, that a professor handed to me. It was our first paper that we wrote for him. And this was a guy who ended up being on my committee, um, a Nigerian guy. Um, really funny. He would he would introduce himself whenever he'd speak, and he'd say, "I apologize for my accent. I am from Texas." <laughs> people would just they, they just lose it. The guy's hilarious. That's great. <laughs> um, so Ebenezer calls me aside. It's never Ebenezer. good. It's never good when a teacher tells you to wait after class. Yeah, you're getting you're getting back your first test or your first paper. And I was like, oh Jesus, oh what did I do? You know, he's gonna like try to rein me in. And he stopped and he said, John, I loved your paper. He said, it was just, it was irreverent. And I'm like, are you saying that like it's a good thing? He's like, yes, it was irreverent. And and he just, you know, showered me with this praise because I had taken uh, just a really unique approach to yeah. whatever the topic was. Anyways, um, if you've read that and... If you've read the right kind of stupid, by the way, or if you haven't, it, it's, it's definitely irreverent. <laughs> if you if you like that sort of thing, I will say uh, you're going to be offended, um, but get over it because John totally redeems himself through the book. I there were so many points at which I was like, no, you did not just write that. That that <laughs> character did not just say that. You are not. Why is there a black? gay homosexual midget 
in the scene right now. Like you're just every single button. He wasn't, he wasn't sexual. No, I know. I you're I'm, mixing. I'm, up exaggerating, I'm exaggerating. But uh, you know, but it's it, it absolutely not only does it hit every button, but it makes you really rethink why those were buttons for you in the first place. And I, I think that's why I liked uh, liked it so much and was well, so impressed. Of, you're 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 baited into being offended. Oh, just definitely. so that I can just so that later in the book you start to look back and realize that the reasons you were offended in many ways uh, y y you start to you start to look at your offense apparatus right differently mm -hmm. and so as one person put it another author um, fantasy and horror author named essay uh, hunt he said you take you lure people in with stereotypes uh, and then, and you know, the book is full of stereotypical characters, but then you lure them in and you start to flip everything on its head. Yeah. And by the time everything's over, you don't know what's what anymore. And basically all your, as he said, like all your assumptions about who people are just kind of tossed, tossed uh, here and there. So you know, John, yeah, that, was, that was kind of part of what I was going for, I, you know. John, if the right kind of stupid becomes, or T, what is it, T-R-K-O-S, how do we shorten it? Anyway, um, the if that becomes like your uh, To Killing Mockingbird, for instance, you could you could come up with a sequel like 60 years later, and your main character could be like a total racist. It'd be great. <laughs> and I could be like halfway senile, and some my caretaker could be totally taking advantage of me. Right. <laughs> and make a payday. <laughs> Yeah. Um, actually, there is going to be a sequel to Right Kind of Stupid. It's called uh, White Giant Ping Pong. And it takes place mostly in China, actually. Oh. So, uh, and I, I just, I, it's not the right time. We were going to talk about book stuff later. Why don't we just sure. get it out of the way? Sure. Um, it's just, excuse me, just not the right time, I don't feel like. I know that to make the Right Kind of Stupid move, uh, in a marketing sense and sales, I need to get sequels out on it. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, people like that. And well, there's a few reasons, but yeah. But right now, I I just for a lot of reasons, I'm like, okay, I've written under some pen names, some kind of genre stuff because I really wanted to learn, wanted to experiment with with genres where you know, right kind of stupid doesn't sell ultimately, not because it's not a good book. Um, it's got a great cover, great name. It's got a good blurb. Um, when I can get eyes on it, 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 it sells, you know, there's good sell through. Um, but ultimately the way that the machine works, especially with places like Amazon, where you sell a lot of your books, if you're self-published, um, there's really no mechanism in the Amazon machine. That's going to show that book to people because mm -hmm. it's literary comedy. And that's just not a genre that right. people looking for it's, yeah. I've, had, I've had multiple people tell me, I I gave this book a chance because I came across it for some weird way, but oh my god, I'm glad I did. Right. You know, and that's the problem with the right kind of stupid from a marketing standpoint is that it just is not going to get in front of a lot of eyes. However, I can fix that, uh, and and one of the ways I do that is by um, I can fix it now, but I need to wait until there's other books in the series mm -hmm. to catch the people I bring to the original right kind of stupid. Right. Um, you want to have more for them to go to move through. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And and they yeah. So long story short, you know. And then I wrote some, I wrote Death Pope, uh, which was a sort of historical alternate history thriller. 
uh, about a, a boy pope who's elected pope to be kind of a puppet. Um, and then the angel of death, at least he feels, calls him to, you know, breathe out <laughs> fire, baby. And he, beco he becomes a vigilante assassin. As I say, pope by day, death by night. Yeah, I love I, I love that. It's the whole the whole idea. Would you call it a, a alternative history? It's alternative history because yeah. it's it's historical, but it it replaces a real life pope with a different storyline. Right, and I I, I love that. I, I as I was reading it, I was like, this is like the inglorious bastards of pope history. You know, it's like you take. You take World War Two and you kill fucking Hitler in the movie. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you know, it's so it's so interesting. I'm not a big like super film buff. I love movies. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not like that kind of like film guy. You know? Yeah. And so when people made comparisons to Tarantino in Right Kind of Stupid, yeah, and I was surprised. I was really surprised at that. And then when I got this idea for Death Pope, um, and sort of pursued it. I was like, oh, this is the more Tarantino side of the weird shit inside of me <laughs> that wants to come out. And so yeah. I, you know, um, I've had a lot of people, my cover designer picked up on it and she gave me this, what she called a grindhouse style cover. Mm -hmm. um, people, I don't really fully know what grindhouse mean means, but people <laughs> keep telling me, oh, it has like a grindhouse feel. And I'm like, well, I I hope you enjoyed grinding your house up upon it. May you grind further on my books. Um, but again, you know, Death Pope, prom. Death Pope sells better than Right Kind of Stupid mm -hmm. because of the way I have it set up. Death Pope 1 is free. Go get it now while well, it's free. And, you know, that's allowing people to get through that and then read the sequel. I need to get book three out. It's been sitting on my hard drive, basically finished. Um, and book three is... That's a rip roaring good time. And, and so I was like, yeah, I, I don't really know what to do next, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got out this genre fiction mystery detective novel that I wrote. It was kooky and weird. And I wasn't sure if people were going to like it at all yeah. <laughs> because it's this premise. The premise is that it's, it's a detective, you know, this brilliant ace detective who, whose life goes uh, kind of topsy turvy all because his dog dies. And it's kind of one of the themes is like your worldview being altered by, by the smallest tragedies. Mm. And um, so as he, he goes for about nine months and he's, he's letting cases slip through the cracks and he can't seem to put things away when he was hit and batting a thousand before that. Um, and so the book is his journey, having to pick up the pieces of his career and his own you know, um, inner life as he tries to solve the first of three cold cases that he let go unsolved. Um, and the first one, Chorus in the Case of the Chaos. Um, so far, it's doing great. 5.4.5 stars on Amazon. Um, I mean, I sell, I don't know, let me just check my sales right now. You know, I haven't, I haven't read this one, but do you feel like it sells well because, or, or that, you know, I sold 13 well. of those today. That's awesome. I, pro uh, I probably sold upwards of, I don't know, we're getting into thousands now. I see that, and I don't even know about it. Uh, yeah, nobody does. I don't tell anybody. Right. Um, you think that's because it is so genre specific that somebody people like that? That's a thing that they look for. They they go to Amazon, they go to the Kindle store, yeah. they yeah. click on mystery or detective or whatever, and it pops up. 
Is that the yeah, idea? absolutely. Um, well, I don't know exactly how people find it. Um, Goodreads is one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goodreads, man, that's a topic for another day. Goodreads is such a double-edged sword. Oof. It, it helps people find books, but it is not very good at putting the right books in the right hands. Mm. That that nut has not been cracked by anyone. You know, whoever figures that out is going to make a billion dollars, mm. because all Goodreads does is say, "Ooh, Thomas liked this book." We have no reason other than that for thinking that you'll like it. Right. It's it's a person that you know happened exactly. to read the same book. Like yeah. This person you went to, you know, you had a class with in college, liked this book, <laughs> and now now you're going to read it, and it's like it's not what you want at all. So right. you give it. So Goodreads re- reviews are are usually much lower. Than Amazon, and I think sure. that's ultimately the reason. Um, yeah, and yet Goodreads does drive uh, traffic to you somewhat. So, right. Anywho, so I wrote that. I wrote some uh, some other genre stuff, and and that's stuff that seems to sell. So now I'm at a phase where I'm like, okay, how do I get uh, to the next step of my career? And basically, if I'm going to write something in a longer form, a full length novel, it's you know I don't see any reason. Uh, not to shop it out, get an agent, get a traditional deal. Um, I don't want to only do that. There's a reason I self-published, you know, creative control, sanity, not having to deal with a bunch of, you know, industry pros, quote unquote. Um, But I don't see any reason not to put a book out through that channel and increase the number of people who find my name and go to see, check out my other weird shit. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say weird. It's not really that weird. It's good stuff. Check it out. No, it's not really. It's not, it isn't that weird, but it isn't. Uh, it isn't that cookie cutter either. I mean, no, and that's sort of the point. So yeah. Anyhow, um, right now I'm working on uh, a novella series called Halfway Hotel, um, and I'm going to be working on novella series for the short term, probably through the end of the year. We'll see. As like sort of in my spare time, work on another book um, that I'll be putting out for traditional publication. Uh, I haven't fully decided on what that's going to be, but probably it's going to be something called um, the African Panda Fund or something like that. It's It will revolve around a con artist starting a conservation group called the African Panda Fund. Um, nobody steal that. John Oaks Industries TM 2015. <laughs> um, I like that, the African Panda Fund. That's great. And so, uh, yeah, these novella series, I'm going to do a romantic comedy called Cammy Wild. I already started writing that, and I'll probably do a science fiction um, sort of adventure comedy. Um, and yeah, basically any sort of novella series I like to do. They're quicker to get out, and that's important to me because I get that satisfaction of getting it to readers and seeing it sell and having people get to read it. You know, it really stinks to work so hard on stuff and to never get get that hit of adrenaline when people read it and love it and review it and join the email list. and you know, join the club and people find me on Twitter. And I'm like, oh my God, I just read such and such. And they find me on Twitter and like tell me how much they love my stuff. And, you know, I guarantee every single time someone finds me on Twitter, they didn't read one book. They read mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, by the time they decide to search me out on Twitter, it's because they ran out of shit to read. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, let me ask this guy what else is coming out. Yeah. That's been fun. Yeah. That's like, cool. so, you know, and it's it's just ones and twos, but man, it means a hell of a lot. And oh, sure. it's, part, it's part of why I'm doing the podcast too, is you know, just to sort of be in more spaces more often. Anyways, cool. that's kind of a primer on who I am as a as a monstrous person, <laughs> an commercial impersonator, and yes. an author. Something else you should know about John Oaks, he's six foot four. Uh he's he's uh, he's a big dude. 
Yeah, getting bigger by the day, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. Oh, I am I am pushing seven bills. I'm I need a crane to get me out the door. Good lord. I really gotta Oh my gosh. Every podcast I will lose one pound. Okay. That way I get podcasts out and I somewhat reduce my chances of dying um, of a heart attack any day now. Absolutely. Uh, so we we've been going for Ooh, 25 minutes already. Jeez. Um, stories from the week. Do you got any funny stories that happened this week, Thomas? Uh, stories from the week. You know, my, my life is, I mean, in, in some ways similar to yours. I have a 13-month-old daughter, so whatever doesn't revolve around her pretty much revolves around my work or my commute to work. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know if I have any too, too crazy stories. I've been in the middle of just uh, – it, she's in that, you know, you're in that 13 month zone, right? For me, it's like every day she's learning things and hearing things that you didn't expect. And I'm, I'm pretty sure she's going to start swearing now. I think that's right. Oh, Adair, Adair started swearing. Oh, yeah. It wasn't me. I'm the one who's like, fuck this, fuck that all the time. Thinking any day now she's going to start mimicking me. Uh -huh. it, was, it was my wife who <laughs> once, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife saw something like 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 a she saw a bug or something and and screamed the f word. Yeah, and sure enough, Adair's right there. Just boom. Fuck! Like just with with like she really meant it too, and she'll still say it sometimes. Like she, the, the other day, I saw her point at the baby and just like lash her finger at her and go fuck fuck fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's so funny because. I'm the one who has a potty mouth, and she's learning from me. And I'm like, this is fantastic. I don't have to feel bad about this. Uh, I'm learning from my mom. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. No, that's okay. Uh, so, again, I don't I don't know that my, my stories are that crazy. I mean, like, for me, it's like stuff at work. It's like, you know, somebody tried to pass a fake $100 bill at us, and we called the police. And uh, the we're in a small town outside of Chicago. Are you know? It's technically it's a village. It's in the middle of a million other villages around Chicago. Literally, the you call the police saying, "Hey, we have a a uh, hundred dollar counterfeit bill," and before the guy can even like get out the door and get out of the parking lot, the police pull into the parking lot, like for a fucking counterfeit bill. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the this is where this is where when you have a, a small village that has a very small population, but a lot of money and a lot of tax yeah. revenue. Uh, like literally I locked my keys in my car and, or at least I, th I thought I did. They ended up being in the building, but I thought I locked my keys in my car. I called the police and while I was still talking to the dispatcher, they pulled into the parking lot and like, this is, this is the kind of place that I'm in. So my, my work is it just very uneventful other than, hmm. uh, you know, somebody, Somebody's been stealing Hennessy lately, um, <laughs> and, you know. I, we, that, that's a thing. Um, and then you know, the rest of it is is the commute, which in Chicago, like going home at 10 p.m. on a Sunday for some reason, uh, I would stop on the freeway because who knows? There's just there's stuff going on and it's Jeez. completely packed at 10 p.m. On a Sunday night, so it's just ridiculous. Uh, the other, the other things that go on are, are related to the baby, and that's sort of the, some of the best stuff. Like, uh, I started, I was doing like one, two, three, say, and dropping her on the bed, you know, like holding her, saying one, two, three, and then 
doing that doing that thing where you sort of like drop them and since their whole body lands all at once that it doesn't hurt them and they just love it and and she's she's laughing. So that's how you do it. You don't and, try to hurt your child. Yeah, don't, not head oh, okay. first. It's more okay. like head and back and legs I'm all. Taking, I'm taking notes. Yeah, write that down. But uh, and and she just this just this week, just a few days ago, um, I'm I'm holding her and I'm standing in the bed and she goes, one, <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm so looking cute. around like, yeah, it's all it's super cute. I mean, she has, she's picking up words like, like two months ago she had mommy and daddy and hi, mm. and maybe dog, mm-hmm. um. And now she's added one. Well, it's one, two, because it—that's how I ca- you know you're counting and you're like mm-hmm. prepping them. So she thinks the two is always pronounced two. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so she funny. says it like that. And then three is never just three. It's re, so uh, which is great. So she's she's picked up those. She's singing her ABCs. Um, it's just it's crazy what happens all, sort of all at once. So. For me, those are those are the stories. Just a million little things that make up my life. There's no uh, no no stories like I used to have when I would uh, maybe go out and tie one on with John Oakes back in the day. But uh, yeah, oh, so, well, but we can tell those stories. Oh, we, we got a back catalog yeah. to work with here. <laughs> um, well, and and speaking to that, uh, my funniest thing that happened today was my wife asked me. Like, oh, you know, my cousin said she got tickets to a, a St. Paul Saints game. We mm. live just north of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, fucking sh- sh- <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, I'm like, are you saying a baseball game? In, mm-hmm. in the middle of summer in Minnesota? Which, if you don't, if you haven't ever lived in Minnesota, it's hot as balls here. <laughs> like, Tom, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, That's got to plug in the computer. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's like we, we grew up in a town in the West where, I mean, it would get to like 104 a couple times in the summer. Yeah. But that is nothing compared to 84 here. And it's all about yeah. humidity. It is. Anyways, it really is. Anyways, I'm like. We're both in the Midwest. It doesn't matter what temperature is. You want to take a, a, a ridiculous toddler who's in, in the know and the very, in, in, you know, um, independent stage and you want to take that and a newborn to a baseball game and you want to sit on some plastic seats in like the heat and like i was like no what are you thinking and she's like what it could be fun and i'm like that's where you're going wrong don't try to have fun (laughs) don't try to have fun you have two very small children that's that's a bad idea when you try to have fun that's how they ruin it that's every single time, you know, it'll get better. It'll get better. I'm saying like, we're in a time now where no, trying to have fun is just the, the surest way to have a fun day completely ruined. You know what? I, I could take that advice, man. That makes by a lot trying, of sense. By trying to go, you, you know, you're existing at a, on a scale of one to 10 as a parent of two children, you know, two and a half and younger, like your best day is a three. So you gotta hold on to that three with both hands. White knuckle that shit. Okay, you shoot for a five and you're getting a one. Cherish that three. Okay, yeah. Mm. Who wants to go to a shitty uh, minor league baseball game? Okay, what <laughs> what am I? A, a cub reporter from the sixties? I mean, geez. <laughs> and you want to take you, that? That is at best a five. That's like right. you li- you had nothing better to do that day. Right. You went to right. a minor league. Baseball right. game? That's if you catch a foul ball. It's a, it's a five. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm like, what do you think? You're trying, yeah, you're, you're shooting for a five and you're going to end up with, with a negative three because <laughs> someone's going to have a meltdown. You're not going to feel, you're going to be trying to breastfeed in the stands. You know, it's just like, which is fine. Public breastfeeding is totally, that should be totally not a problem for people, but it is a hassle. It. You know, breastfeeding is a hassle. Um, a good thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> vitamins and nutrients, man. What, what are you talking about? I mean, um, the baby. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I was like, don't try to have fun. Don't try to do fun things. You're just going to ruin your day. Stick with three. Three is <laughs> three stick, is the best it's going to be. Netflix at home. <laughs> And a, and, a, and a decent dinner, all right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so, that. you know, that's basically my advice. Cling to three until all your children are probably over the age of three. That's probably a rule of thumb. You know, what, sp speaking of which, and now that, now that I think about it in the past week, probably the best story is we is related to that. We, we, we said, uh, okay, we're going to get right after work, get together. I'm going to go straight to, straight to uh, the pool. We have like this... Uh, neighborhood uh, pool thing in, in uh, you know, park district, whatever. And there's literally one hour out of every day that is an open swim where all the kids can from the neighborhood can come in and swim and do whatever. And uh, of course we tried to, we tried, we shot for a five. We thought this would be fun. This would be great. You know, you got to get everybody in, you know, swimsuits and swim diapers and go to this disgusting changing room. That's for, you know, cause it's public and walking and I forgot to wear my flip-flops so I'm walking barefoot through like who knows what kind of feces and then we get uh, we finally get into the pool and we're in the pool for about five minutes and all of a sudden they just yell everybody out of the pool everybody out of the pool and uh, of course some little kid has puked in the public pool oh. and so five minutes in we're, we're out we're done all of the preparation, all of the the swim diapers and everything like that, it's all it's all out the window because you know again, like you said, John, we shot for a five and we got a negative three, so <laughs> it's good. Good time. So you were talking about you were talking about just stay home and watch Netflix, right? Yeah, that's the best that's going to be. Um, on that topic, Netflix, you know, every month they kind of release what's leaving Netflix at the end of the month, um, and it's today, July thirtieth. I don't even have like a logo for the podcast or media hosting yet. So we're probably not going to get it out tomorrow. Sure. Um, but if we did, I would say go watch The Fifth Element. Really? Just leaving Netflix. Oh. I didn't even know it was there. Um, it's sometimes Netflix's whole search engine kind of where it just has these, these bars and stuff you search through. Yeah. A lot of it's really redundant, first of all. Yep. Um, and it's, I don't know, I don't feel like it ever helps me find the things I, I find interesting. So, yeah. but uh, anyways, the fifth element is leaving Netflix this month. Man, that was a great movie. So much fun. Huh. It's a but movie. Getting, okay. You've never seen the fifth element? No, I've never seen it. <gasps> you, well, okay. Well, you know today, July 30th to go watch it. I before, do. Or it leaves. Oh my gosh. Go watch it. Tell us about it. In fact, I might go watch it tonight. Um, hmm. As I sort of wind down after the podcast, because that, that is a fantastic I think it's uh, Luke Besson is the director. He directed things like, uh, I think he directed The Professional. Oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah. really good. Okay. Anyways, this is like Luke Besson's, I think, best movie ever. You got Gary Oldman as, a, as an awesome uh, villain. You got Bruce Willis as a sci-fi you know, hero. And mm -hmm. you got, uh, oh, what's her name? I forget. She used to be famous. Um, she had like a Russian name. 
This isn't. Well, tell me, this isn't the one where the uh, like the telekinesis thing, is it? I don't think. Where like the so. kid gets really mad and stuff flies around and. No. It's a the Bruce Willis one where like there's a there's like a few the time oh, that's travel. The no, the one where the kid from uh, the third Rock from the Sun uh, time travels to kill Bruce Willis or vice versa. Oh yeah, no, this is Fifth Element is way way before that. Okay, you know, right, well, for it. time hopper or some bullshit like that. Yeah, exactly. That's um, nice. no, this is from the '90s, I think. Anyways, yeah, fantastic. Chris Tucker was in it. He had a funny role. Uh, really fun, really out there, awesome movie. Cool. Um, but we're getting the Hurt Locker next month, which is an awesome movie. Hmm. Very, very sort of like if it were a book, it would be very like literary, military kind of book, which you don't mm -hmm. get too often. So right. Um, I still haven't seen that awesome. one actually. And there's a couple things coming out from uh, blanking on his name. Come on, come on, John. British comedian was married to Katy Perry. Come on. Oh yeah. Uh... Russell Brand. Russell Brand. I was trying to say Russell Blake. That was wrong. Russell Brand has a couple different documentaries. One is called, you know, End the Drug War, basically, mm. um, which, you know, the, the war on drugs has been one of the greatest catastrophes of the modern era. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to be very interested to, to see his take on that. That guy's very, very, he's very squirrely because he did a lot of drugs, but he's very smart and doesn't he's give, very smart. he gives zero fucks. Have you seen his uh, video podcast thing, YouTube channel, whatever? Uh, no, it's called uh, the truths trues t r e w s. You see, every once in a while, somebody will post something from it on Facebook. But he's uh, he, that's his like YouTube thing, and then he also has like a like a sit down daytime TV show thing mm -hmm. uh, in in Britain where he he has people like the the Westboro Baptist Church guys on his program. Wow, and it's nuts. It's great. It's well, great. what I like about people like him is he will talk to anybody. Oh, absolutely. When you've when you've lived that sort of life, you've you're not scared. You're not intimidated by people who are batshit crazy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And th that's that's the way I am. I will sit and talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. Um, you remember that night that that this guy three in the morning in Seattle, this guy tried to sell us a GPS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? You remember how that ended? He basically was like, "I need to go home and rethink my life." Yeah. <laughs> I think he literally said that. He did. It was like. It was like doing a Jedi mind trick on someone. Like uh, that, part, that part in uh, Star Wars Episode Two, where where uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, played by Ewan McGregor, mm -hmm. is in this bar, and this guy tries to sell him drugs, and mm -hmm. he does the the Jedi mind trick wave and says, mm -hmm. um, "You don't want to sell me those drugs." And the guy goes, "I don't want to sell you these drugs." And he and he waves again and says, "You need to go home and rethink your life or something." <laughs> right. Oh man. Yeah, but you're right. Like, you're right. It's amazing what can happen when you just don't. Get your tail feathers ruffled and just talk to people, and, yep. and that, that never happens anymore. We we live in the age of outrage. If yeah. you, if you, if you disagree with what something someone did, uh, you should get on Twitter and tell them to just that they, they should kill themselves. Right. And it's it's just like man, everything everything is just to the extreme. It's like man, everyone, come on, your tears are bullshit. That's why I'm uh, yeah. I'm voting for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Real nice guy to give him a chance. Just get to make know. America you, great. You meet, you meet Donald Trump on the street. <laughs> He's trying to sell you a GPS. <laughs> you see a different side of the guy. I'm just uh, that's all I'm saying. Just say it. Just. <sighs> so Thomas, um, I mean, this is probably. I was thinking we were going to go half an hour. We're, we're we're well past that at this. Yeah, point. well, I do kind of want to talk about. We don't talk about all my list, but uh, 
been reading a lot lately, which is good. You know, they yeah. always say writers are supposed to read a lot, which I'm not yeah. always the best at. Um, because honestly, because I, I have a hard time finding stuff I really can get into. I'm mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that I'm picky or I don't know, but um, I uh, a book called Ancillary Justice by okay. Anne Lecky, I think okay. that's her name. She won the Hugo Award. If you're not aware, that's kind of like the biggest award in science fiction and fantasy. It's also um, a 3D movie. Yeah, there you, there you go. <laughs> so you're looking for. Um, and I just, I wasn't, I was like, this is good. This is interesting. But best sci-fi fantasy novel of the year? Mm. Nah. Maybe he wasn't sci-fi fantasy. Maybe it's just sci-fi. But, but I was like, this is the best. Book of the year. Man. Did the what won it last year? Was it uh was it the Martian? She year? won it last year, I think. Oh she won it. Oh maybe it was two or, years ago. Didn't the Martian win something like that? Uh I don't know if it did. Uh-huh. It might have been shortlisted. Yeah. Uh, and it might have won the year before. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway. but that was good. I mean, definitely check it out. So it's about a, a conscious AI um called a justice that that runs an entire ship in the sort of imperial army. Um, and it had an opportunity to talk about imperialism and different things that actually kind of, I don't know, matter in this day and age. And at the end of the day, it kind of just loses itself. It didn't go its there. own story hmm. about the, the Lord of the, you know, the civilization, which is itself an AI that has split itself into hundreds and thousands of pieces and is at war with itself. And you're like, okay, cool. Right. Cool beans. So it's a little, it's, it really. It's a little of that smelling your own self. No, stuff. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. No, <laughs> I don't think it was trying to be over the top and uber. You know, it's definitely hard sci-fi though, and I think sure. that appeals to people. There are people who are just more trained to read that sort of thing, and right. frankly, probably people who are more qualified to to appreciate more aspects of it than I was able to. I got you. But just coming from where I'm coming from, I love all kinds of great stories. That one was kind of like a. You know, a five or six out of ten for me. Definitely cool, interesting. Glad I read it. Sure, I'd recommend it in the sense of like, yeah, go read that. Yeah, you, know, you have worse things you could do with your time. Yeah. Um, Ready Player One. Have you read that? No. It's all the rage right now because Ernest Klein is coming out with a new book called Armada. Ready Player One. It it operates off this idea that there's this competition in the future when basically all the world is a you know, futuristic hellscape of poverty and, you know, mobile homes stacked upon mobile homes <laughs> 20, sure. 20 times high. Um, and people really lose themselves in the oasis, this sort of virtual world okay. built by built by your sort of, you know, computer genius guy. Your version um, of the PS4 in the future. <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, but the whole world is the PS4. I mean, gotcha. Gotcha. It's, it's not it's not a gaming system. It's a whole world in which there are many, many games. Gotcha. Um, and the creator of it dies and leaves behind a huge amount of money and control of the entire virtual world, basically, um, over to anybody who can solve his his riddles. Basically, it's mm-hmm. it's riddle of the Sphinx. Sphinx meets, uh, you know, I don't know. So you, you got to pass these three gates, yada yada, and all of it is based around '80s trivia. Okay. And you know, it's like okay, I mean, the '80s trivia thing is. You're like, okay, I, this could very easily have been bad, but it wasn't. It was awesome. Hmm. Characters, eh, not, not the. I mean, a little superficial, but that's really common in sci-fi. I find. 
Um, and I mean, the same could be said of The Martian. I mean, a, a really, really good sci-fi sci story doesn't need a deep, you know, character. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it was fun. The problem with his his new book, Armada, is that it's the same thing, except the actual storyline is a lot like The Last Starfighter, a lot like other books that have been done, where uh, it's a lot like Ender's Game as well, where a kid mm -hmm. who's really good at a video game finds out that the video game was just a test to to participate in the real war and you had the high score. So now you're the head of the army, <laughs> you 12 year old kid or whatever. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's that's a lot of the same stuff see that's, game. Yeah. that's been done. Right. And mm -hmm. on top of it, you know, it's kind of like the question from the critics was, so what, how is your book different from these other things that have already been written like a long time ago? Mm. And he's like, Oh, but all the eighties trivia. And it seems like the world generally has been like, yeah, buddy, that's you use that. Yeah, you use that one up. <laughs> use it all <laughs> one up. You know, but from what I hear, it's still an entertaining read. It's just that it seems like okay, you're kind of you were kind of writing a whole book on the back of of what was cool about the '80s before, but you pulled it off, and now you're mm. trying to do the same thing again, but mm. using a story structure that's been pretty well done um, you know, it, um and so i don't really know what uh i mean i read a scathing salon.com article that basically said man you got found out you're not a good writer and i was like whoa damn like that's harsh mm. but now, do you think people that uh, people that aren't maybe into that genre are gonna go into it and think oh my gosh it's so cool because they never read ender's game they don't know what any of that stuff is or uh you know is that is that sort of like is that the idea that people do with these things where it's like I don't know eh, you know what it, who cares I'm gonna make money at it because it's it's not for the well, sci-fi people it's for the numbers you know I would say absolutely somebody said who cares we can make money off of this yeah um and but that's what the industry does whether it's TV sure. or movies or whatever they pound things into the dirt. They beat that dead horse as long as coins still keep popping out of it. Right. You know? um, I mean, I, I literally, I'm on Twitter a lot, and I, I follow a lot of agents that I'm considering someday. And one of them was like, "I want Ready Player One, but for comic book or for comic strips from the new, from the newspaper." And I'm like, "Really? That's like the least interesting thing I've ever heard of." And yet, I'm totally yeah. sure you could sell that. So right. it's it you're basically jumping right on the back of the coattails of this thing that sold, writing an uninteresting, uninspired book. Yeah. And oh, hey, tell me if you got that. <laughs> you know, like yeah, because it'll sell. And it's like, yeah, that right there is why I would hate to have my entire literary career hinged to sure the, the quote unquote market. To that machine, yeah. Yeah, that machine. I mean, it's great, it's great when it works for you, you know? Yeah. Um but when it doesn't, I mean, it's just, yeah. So Yeah, interesting. Pros and, okay. pros and cons, pros and cons. Sure. Anyways, uh, I also read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Love it. And that was disappointing to me. I mean, I've heard about it for so many years. That you haven't read it ever. The funniest sci-fi book ever written, you know, for a lot of people. And it's like... Maybe okay. in the 70s, yeah. It, it, and again, like, it. sometimes it's like, yeah, given the time, it might have had way bigger of an impact. Yeah, um, I read a book called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, um, and that was like, holy cow! I was so psyched for that book to be good. Like the first twenty percent, I'm like, all right, 
as soon as he tells me what this story is about, I'm going to be into it. And it just never quite happened. It never came. Yeah. And I have other friends, people who read it when they were a kid, and like, what are you talking about? It was amazing. And I'm like, read it again as a 35-year-old right. in, in 2015. In yeah, that's the and thing. it's not that good. I mean, it's it, one of the things that Ready Player One did was take a lot of the stuff that happened in Snow Crash. There's definite parallels there, i.e. with like the virtual world and the, you know, the uh, protagonist who's fighting life and death paddle, battles, but in a virtual space. Yeah. Um, and Ready Player One kind of takes that and reboots it for the 2015 age or 2013 when it came out. Sure. Um, so that's cool. I think it's cool, like, you know, to reboot something. Yeah. And if you thought he was rebooting Snow Crash, which needed rebooting, you know, okay. Ender's Game and Last Starfighter didn't need rebooting, you know what I mean? Because they still work. Yeah. You could pick up Ender's Game today, and it's like, whoa, this is awesome, you know? Yeah. Like, there's nothing that's lost in, in the last 20 years or whatever. Mm. So, well, I think that's interesting as far as like why people decide that they can do, you know, yeah, rehashings of stuff. Yeah. Now, I'll say I'll say this though. I mean, and then he's Devil's Advocate or whatever. But the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I read not that long ago, maybe five years ago for the first time. And to me, I really loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Now he did like six or seven of those. He only intended to do three and the first three were pretty decent. I started, I got into like the fourth, I got into the fifth and I was like, nah, I never finished the rest. I think there were only five. Were there only five? Well, I got, I, mean, I got a little past his original intention, like the first three or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, this is stupid now. It's dumb. Yeah. Um, but you know, part of I think what was cool about that is you there was maybe that may, and I can't I don't know the whole landscape at the time, but there's not really anything. It wasn't anything else like it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And you and you and if you take it in that context and you go, look, there weren't iPads, right? And they're having this. They have this electronic book that has all this information and they can access things and they have uh, you know these little the babble fish they put in their ear. It's like the Google <laughs> Translate. Like that stuff was not even conceivable um to mm -hmm. you know for most people and you put it out there and it's like it's this is really fun cool mm -hmm. ideas and for us we're kind of like this is kind of tired you know what i mean but yeah. i think maybe maybe it's tired for us because it's been copied so much or because it's been sort of uh it's it's just it, it, you have this expectation of it it's kind of like uh yeah i mean to go back to the to kill a mockingbird thing right you're like mm -hmm. well it's it becomes bigger than it ever should have been yeah. because it has a I tend to something think around that, it. that you're right there and that we shouldn't look at it as a failed comedy if if you do kind of feel that way about it or th that it was kind of like meh but to really say like man look at look at it for what it was at the time and realize that it was a building block for all the comedy in fiction that came after the very I mean there's not mm -hmm. a lot of comedy in 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 fiction novels so, right. you know, the fact that, I mean, that's why I, my the fact that he started from that point, started from a fiction or from a comedy standpoint in sci-fi that yeah. in itself is the, everybody else took, everybody else takes themselves really seriously in that genre. You exactly. Know? And so that's why I've had reviewers compare me to Douglas Adams and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, why? no, yeah. Douglas, where are you guys getting this stuff? Part, yeah. part of it, I think is just the irreverence. Sure. Part of it is, um, they didn't compare me just to, Douglas Adams, but to sp particularly his Dirk Gently novels, um, mm -hmm. and I gotta check those out because Dirk Gently is a is a private investigator, um, so I gotta see what that's all. For about. For some reason, it just sounds very phallic. Exactly, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like a awesome. short dagger, gently. 
yeah. Anyways, uh, so hmm. all right. So yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think I think like it, okay. So it didn't blow my socks off in 2015. That's okay. I mean, it's it was mm-hmm. it was published in like 1978. I mean, that's a long time ago, and and it yeah. probably inspired a lot of people in different ways. It might have gotten a lot of people to get into sci-fi who never would have gotten into it otherwise. I have been told, you know, when I talk to other people, like man. You know, like I went, like, I don't know what direction to go. You know, I, I want to kind of get into more genre stuff. And I've had a couple friends say, like, dude, there's nobody's really done the, the right kind of stupid treatment in sci-fi. There, there's mm-hmm. a, yeah. there's a, you've created a, a wide open door for yourself if you want to take it. Yeah. And so I've thought about what that might look like, and I'm, I find that very interesting as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, that's partly why I've been just kind of gravitating toward a lot more sci-fi lately because. Um, it's good to know the genre, know the the landscape. Yeah, well, I, I genuinely love the genre, and, and mm-hmm. I've just been thinking about it more because people have said that, and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that's a huge opportunity. That's Anyways, true. So we can come back to other stuff later. Um, we've been going for an hour oh. now. So let's get to 18 condoms and a dorky, <laughs> and we'll finish the episode. There. So Thomas, special story time with John. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will try to let you take the reins here as much well. as possible. We both okay. know that I'm going to jump in. Oh, for sure. And honestly, I need to jump in, don't I? This is probably true. Yeah. <laughs> because there are, there are for parts that I don't know. Story, you were in another place. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you were you were riding a unicorn along the fourth <laughs> dimension. Um, <sighs> so I go to visit Thomas. I come back from South Africa from the first time in my first research trip to South Africa, and okay. must have been 2009 then. Uh, I come back to Spokane, Washington, where we both grew up. I drive the Focus o- across Washington. Gorgeous drive. I mean, it was exactly this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in Washington State, my God, an embarrassment of riches. We got to go back. That's uh, true. Fuck the Midwest. <laughs> and I go, and we we fully intend to have a good time. We haven't seen each other in a while. Thomas has been living in Seattle. Yeah. Um, so we know we know where this four days is going. <laughs> uh, a couple days in, Thomas says, I'm going to take you up to Capitol Hill. Um, he was living in Eastlake, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thomas was like, we're going to go, we're going to go party it up in Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, yeah, that's it. That we, we were planning exactly what you think we were planning. <laughs> and so we get on the bus, we ride the bus up to Capitol Hill, uh-huh. you know, a solid three miles away, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, good bad thoughts and, uh, and we get off Capitol Hill. We go, you take me to the place where uh, Eddie Vedder and. Yeah, where the Pearl Jam had their, fir- their uh, first concert or whatever. Well, here's the thing. On the way there, this has been, it's been as a part of the story. I We got on the bus and took the bus over there. Because, uh, of course, you know, who needs a DD when you have public transit? Um, but we used my iPhone, which at the time was a big deal. It's a new thing. I had just bought it. Yes. It's like we're like a year and a half into the iPhone. Yeah. It was no. the second second generation of the iPhone ever. Uh, you know, it was a few hundred bucks. And uh, we were talking about it on the way up. And you were like, oh, my God, if I get one of these things, it would like change. It would like change my life. You, you took a picture of me on the bus. And we, yeah. st- we still have the picture because you uploaded it to Facebook 
before yeah. you lost your phone. Now, we'll hey, let's yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to that. We're part. foreshadowing. This is called foreshadowing. I Thomas. didn't lose my phone. It was stolen. You, well, <laughs> that is for uh, that is for history to decide. <laughs> that is for the ages. Um, oh but you man! Took a picture on the bus, and I was like, "Holy cow! You took that on your phone?" It's yeah. Hard, it's hard to imagine sometimes what luddites we were in 2009. <laughs> it's just it was crazy the 2009 yeah. was so different it's true and it, it doesn't it doesn't feel that long ago right it no. doesn't feel like it was like a lifetime away but technology was it really was you, you know you don't you don't think about that now now everybody has i mean it's not just iphones it's every other kind of smartphone and it's anyway it, it the stuff that we were amazed by is so ubiquitous that we're like disgusted by it now like why is everybody on their phones all the time <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we, we took the bus up to Capitol Hill. We went to the, this bowling alley that had this, this you know place, place this, all these kind of sort of cool uh, neighborhood with a lot of history. There's a, you know the Jimi Hendrix statue and uh, all this sort of stuff. And the thing the thing about it, as I mentioned, John Oakes is uh, six foot four, um, and he's you know good hundred pounds more than I am, and another foot taller almost. I'm, I'm only five six. And for some reason, I thought that I would just, every drink that John had, I would have a drink. I mean, we're friends. We're, it's what you do, right? You buy a round, I buy a round. Um, and a few rounds in, uh, we went to get some street meat. Remember this We part? had three drinks okay. before street at meat. Least, okay. At least three. Well, that's I think not, that's probably, not even the issue, though. That's not that, even the issue. So we go to get street meat. Mm -hmm. We see this hot dog cart, basically. Mm -hmm. And we go to get some hot dogs. Yep. Don't call it street meat. You're not Anthony Bourdain. Okay, they were hot dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were, uh, they were so Seattle hot dogs with cream cheese. We're, right. we're enjoying. It was a good hot dog. We're, we're kind of getting ready. It's basically eating some dinner before we really start in on the real yeah. drinking. Yep. And we're standing on this corner, and I'm like, Thomas, those girls are speaking some, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like, I'm trying to listen, like, yeah, is I would it definitely. Is it? What is it? Yeah, I'm like, I think it's. Are they uh, some kind of European? Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. Swedish. Yeah, and and we basically Beautiful like. Girls. Yeah. Back in the day when we were single, Thomas and I were perfect for each other uh, because <laughs> we have very distinct types of like that we, that we go for. And we didn't even like just exchange the smallest of glances, and it was like, okay, yeah. Computer prints out. Thomas will go for the slim blonde, and John will go for the, uh, you know, brunette with the large rack. Just saying, that's what it is. Okay, I mean, Jesus, I am who I am. All right, accept me. I'm not a monster. This is this was great. <laughs> and so, like, all right, well, this is kind of this is kind of perfect. Um, and Thomas and I are international men of mystery. Yeah. So we're yeah. like European girls eating hot dogs right next to us. Let's talk to them. Yep. And so I say, girls, are you Swedish? And they go, say, we're from Holland. We're from Holland. <laughs> no, we're from Holland. <laughs> and so, they said it in unison, too. That's yeah, the thing. Exactly. It was like, oh, God. <laughs> and so you know we do our best to which we're nerds i mean let's face oh, it yeah. I mean, sure it's it, talking to people in general has always yeah. been um we, we manage i guess but um we're not, we're not laying down any like real serious moves or anything 
Um, and you know, they're like, Hey, there's this Brazilian DJ <laughs> who's a big deal. Yeah. And he's playing across the street, you know, uh, do you want to come? And Thomas and I look at each other as if we are really into Brazilian DJ scene <laughs> and say, yes, we want to go. Are you kidding us? Of course we want to go see the Brazilian DJ. Oh, why wouldn't we want to go see the Brazilian DJ? They're like, good, it's $18. So we're like, okay, good. That's worth that. That is worth that dollars for sure. And so they're like, great, meet us there. And we're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> now, Thomas, do you want me to tell the next part? Just, oh, you can tell it. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Now, <laughs> Thomas, let's say, has come into this evening unarmed. Recently broken up as well. Unshielded is really the problem. He's armed. Mm -hmm. He's not shielded. <laughs> and he decides to remedy that. I'm getting very tired. So I'm like, I need a Red Bull. <laughs> So we go to a store, and as we're there, literally as we're walking in, I'm thinking, I see the case, the plastic case locked up full of condoms, and I think, God, you know, when people got to buy condoms, isn't it like kind of embarrassing to have to ask someone to open up the case to get you the condoms? Like it's just, mm -hmm. it adds this whole layer of awkwardness to the exchange. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I go to find my Red Bull. I come back, Red Bull in hand, to see Thomas <laughs> with the only person working in the store who is, of course, a 49-year-old cat lady, mm -hmm. opening, unlocking the condom locker, <laughs> and, and, and Thomas. Thomas doesn't just get a condom or two. He gets a box of there was no, There's no other way to do it. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh, I got a box of 20 condoms. Excuse no, me. they were 18. I remember. I gave two of them away. No, no. You didn't give two away. You gave one. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway. My memory of this evening is much better. <laughs> Probably better, better than mine. Yeah. So you get you get a box of 18 condoms, which is optimistic <laughs> <laughs> for a number of reasons. Any condoms at all? Okay. Um, and so then, then we go to the place where Eddie Vedder and, and Pearl Jam used to play. And while we were there, like you said, you'd you know, you're not as much of a heavyweight as me in more ways than one, mm -hmm. which, I mean, I've put people bigger than me away. It's just, sure. it's, I got the enzymes, as you, you said. Got, you do, yeah. Some sort of enzymes, I just, I don't know. Um, you can handle it. I have, yeah. You process it. And so you, three drinks in, you're feeling good. You're feeling giddy. Mm -hmm. You get you got your condoms. <laughs> and I was like, Thomas, where are you going to put those? You, you're wearing like skinny jeans. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they weren't jeans. like skinny jeans. They, were, tight, they were trendy form-fitting they were too high jeans. too tight to hide a box of condoms exactly. yeah. <laughs> the, the corners they did not they did not pass that criteria i normal and thomas makes fun of me for wearing cargo shorts and stuff which <laughs> if you gotta haul around a box of condoms you need some cargo pants it's right true. it's true thomas and i yeah thomas is the fashionable one i'm the fashion <laughs> so i'm like thomas you got just throw the box away shove the 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 strips of condoms in your pockets you're good to go yep. so he does that he's like great Claps his hands. Let's do this. Um, and we go to the, the garage, I think it's called, yep. where mm -hmm. uh, Eddie Vedder. See, I even remember the name of the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're kind of walking around. Thomas is just showing me around. And there's this guy um, <laughs> playing the pool, clearly on a, on, a, on a first date or whatever. And Thomas goes, hey, guy, doing real good. 
takes one of the condoms, <laughs> slips it under his pack of cigarettes in his phone, pats it, winks at him, and then walks out. <laughs> Which, which now, looking back in Capitol Hill, he probably took us a come on. <laughs> but Thomas was just like, hey, man, I, I was, see this is going well. I had so much confidence in that consider, guy. Consider this a gift. <laughs> Stay safe. From, from one player to another. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so we go to this, we get $18. Yeah. We get into this club, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Brazilian DJ is doing the DJ thing, which I think means you kind of press play on your iPad, <laughs> on, on your... Uh, no such thing yet, but yes, on his laptop. What, what's that thing that we used to play music on? iPod. Yeah, iPod, You, you yeah, press play exactly. on, on your on your playlist yeah. and sit back and rake in the $18 for yeah. a person who's dumb enough to pay for that <laughs> stuff. And... You know, I'm like, all right, well, Thomas just got, you know, went through a breakup. Clearly, my job is to, you know, I can't talk to this this brunette Dutch girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm like, well, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to wing man, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm the guy who's going to f- wade through the people to get drinks. You know, I'm going to go back and forth. And it's a huge rigmarole. But I'm yeah. like, Fuck it. I'm not here to listen to this fucking bullshit music. You know, I might as, I might as well help a brother out. Mm-hmm. Turns out I helped him out. Way too much. Too much. <laughs> and actually, I've never thought about the story and felt any guilt whatsoever. <laughs> now I'm thinking maybe I did have a hand in this. But actually caught, part of the problem was like, I, I, I didn't want to just get drinks for Thomas and the blonde girl. I, you know, I was getting drinks for, for the brunette girls. Well, even though I knew I was like, yeah, this isn't going to, you know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a hooks up in the dance club guy. I'm. A, I'm a you know, <laughs> hooks up in the bookstore guy. <laughs> you know, like, once we can talk at length about something, uh, you're not going to find me that attractive. I'm sorry. It's just. It's a vibe. It's just. It's just what it is. You know. Um, unless it's New Year's, which right? That's a well, whole different, story. different. Different story. Um, and, you know, the concert ends. Um, <laughs> I did have to say in like, you know, 120 decibel as politely as I could way to the brunette girl who was passing her drink to the guy she was now dancing with. <laughs> I'm not buying you. I'm not buying your friend, your new friend drinks. Okay. I'm, try, I'm trying to be generous and like, you know, my friend likes your friend. So I'm trying to be nice to you and oh my drinks, but please don't hand it to the guy you're grinding on. That's a little, and I know we're not meant to be so to speak <laughs> could you not pass off the drink i bought for you to some to something dude oh. and so the concert ends and people file out and i go to clear my tab and thomas and the dutch girls are nowhere to be seen mm-hmm. i look everywhere i go next door i'm like well i need some food to put in my stomach mm-hmm. because hey i was you know i was tanked I was like, yeah, I better uh, eat something. Um, I come out. I get my sandwich. I, I look around the streets of Capitol Hill. I ask people if they've seen <laughs> a man fitting your description, <laughs> Dutch women fitting their description. And, I mean, you're gone. I stand around like an idiot, and Thomas is just gone. Mm-hmm. So I 
I flagged down a cab and I asked the Syrian guy, like, do you take credit cards? Like, I don't have cash or anything. I, we weren't planning on taking a cab. We were going to take, like, the bus home, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and he's like, yeah, sure. And so, miraculously, I mean, this is like, this is some Jedi-level fucking, mm -hmm. like, photographic memory slash just kind of directional ability mm -hmm. whatever. But I guide the cabbie back through a city I don't live in and I've never <laughs> area I've never visited somehow just luckily you know through through Jedi drunkenness to my dead end street lead yep. him right to Thomas's building and I'm like whew all right cool good I got here it cost me like 30 bucks but whatever um and I'm there and I'm like all right now the next hurdle Thomas's apartment is locked please please tell me that it wasn't locked when we left somehow no both doors are locked mm -hmm. I'm like crap it's 2.30 in the morning, mm -hmm. and I'm locked out, and Thomas is just no totally MIA. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know, pop the back seat, you know, open on the Focus, just lay down in the back seat and go to sleep. You know, it's, it's kind of a dark parking lot. Hopefully no one will bother you. Yeah. Three hours later, hang I'm on, woken. Hang on, hang on. No, hang no, on. I'm, I'm going to tell this part, and then you <laughs> can go back. Three hours later, I'm awoken by the sound of my passenger door being yanked open, and Thomas, I would say, throwing himself into the passenger seat <laughs> with an air of defeat, arms <laughs> slapping limply on his thighs, and says, John, I lost my phone. I lost my wallet. All I got is, all I got is eighteen condoms and a door key. <laughs> As the clear light of day will tell you, he actually only had seventeen condoms because right. he went away to the right. guy, to the guy, looking like he was having a good time at the, <laughs> at the bowling alley. But five five o'clock in the morning, Thomas wasn't splitting hairs over how, yeah. exactly how many condoms he had, John. All I've got is 18 condoms and a door key. I mean, thankfully, he still had the door key. So we got inside. Yep. He's freaking out, but we both go to sleep. And then in the morning, he tries to figure it out. As I rush to work four hours late. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was supposed to work at, at about two hours after I flopped into your car. From my perspective, the last thing I remember is everybody cheering for this Brazilian DJ. Mm -hmm. The next thing I remember, I am in somebody's front yard. <laughs> and I feel around <laughs> I feel around on my person to find my my brand new iPhone to call John to see what time it is to do anything. It's not there. And as I'm looking for my phone, I realize that my hands are covered in dirt. And I have dirt on my face. And I and then I look for my wallet. I my my wallet, my money clip thing which is is gone with all my everything. You know, cash, the money clip itself was expensive, everything, just all gone. And then, of course, I feel my back pocket jammed full of condoms and a single house key in the other back pocket. Got my tight jeans on, 
cowboy boots, and I'm in, and I've no, I don't don't know where I am. I'm in that neighborhood. And would how would you describe the frontal area of your body? Well, hey, no, I didn't know that yet. I didn't notice oh, this yet. Okay. okay. I noticed that later. So I, I basically I sort of you know stand up, feel around, and immediately I just go. I got to find John. I got to find John. I got to go home. And I don't. I'm assuming that I'm still in the general vicinity of where I last was, but I really don't know. I just know that I'm in I'm in Seattle, and that there's a hill, and at the bottom of the hill, is either downtown or the lake that I that I lived off of. Uh, and so I just start running downhill until I could get my bearings. Um, it turns out to be about two miles. Which Actually, was, I remember you telling me the story that you woke up in, in the dirt, like under a bush. I was under a bush. And, in a, and it was in a front yard, yeah, but it was under a bush. You, you got up, but then you blocked out again. And when you came to again, you were tugging on the door of a white Camry. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, I actually <laughs> – you're right. I – I realized I thought for some reason I thought I got to get back in. I got to get back in. And I was pulling on this door and then I realized there was nobody in the car. The car was off and I was just some random street, which later when I pieced it together, I was probably trying to get back in the cab that I had been ejected from. Um, but the, you know, obviously like several hours later um, anyway. So I, I run and I'm running full out as much as I can while I'm drunk and have boots on and tight jeans for the, the two miles or so. And I, you know, luckily I get my bearings and I just ke I keep running all the way uh, to my apartment. I go inside and I realize John's not in here. John couldn't have been in here. He doesn't have a key. And so I run down the back and I see John's car and John in the back of it. I open up the door, flop in, as he said, I think my first word was, fuck, John. Um, no, I remember, John, fuck. Fuck, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Other way around. And of course, and, I, and after the whole thing, and then I'm looking down, because I'm sitting there, and I'm t describing how I don't have my phone in my wallet or whatever, and I look at my jeans, which are gray. the overhead light came on. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the light comes on, and I'm looking down at my jeans, like, why do my jeans have color, like different pattern? <laughs> And I realized that I have dried vomit all over my pants. And of course, piecing it together, I you know call my bank to cancel my cards or whatever, and they tell me that the last charge was for a cab on uh, on Capitol Hill. And uh, I, I must have gone to pay. You know, he must. I probably puked all over my lap in the cab. The guy took out my wallet to to ring the bring the transaction through or I handed it to him. I don't know. It and the, 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 the money clip ended up in there. The phone uh, ended up in his hands as well somehow, which of course they couldn't find after the fact. Um, and not, and the police had no idea that I was trying to make a, make a report about it. They were like, how much is the, the phone worth? Would you say? And I said, well, uh, $750. And they were like, no, this is a phone you're talking about, right? I'm like, no, it's an iPhone, okay? It's an iPhone. What's an iPhone? It's an Apple thing. It's it's not it's not a cheat. And it was oh god, it was awful. And then of course I went to work, uh, three or four hours late, completely hungover, still a little drunk, spinning, uh, and clocked out about an hour later with literally the store manager, other managers, the uh, um, my, another manager that was on vacation who had been called to see if he knew anything about me because they were worried I was dead. 
Which um, was funnier because you worked at a very fancy clothing store. Mm-hmm, they did. Selling very fancy shit. Yeah. So imagine Thomas in a very fancy suit selling fancy shit to fancy people. Super drunk. Hungover as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And thought I was going to puke all over that. It's true. So uh, John took me to McDonald's and uh, <laughs> the rest is history. Uh, There's probably some Dutch, half Dutch baby running around. <laughs> I doubt it. I really doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it too. Although all the condos were there, so you never know. Maybe a half Somali baby. <laughs> if men could have babies. <laughs> My cab driver. Yeah, probably. Didn't didn't you call your phone and some somebody foreign sounding answered? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, I did, and then they turned off the phone. And this was before the days of find my iPhone. So, yeah. Oh God, it was uh, it was a good night well, though. It's worth it. Worth the story, really. Folks, yeah. this has been special story time with John Oaks. <laughs> Catch us next time where we'll have more special stories for you and things that we found this week and other observations. It's been real. It's been fun. It has. Whew. Man, it's getting late. It's a nice little yawn. I guess we'll catch you on the flip side. Later. Later.